This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Diana West, it is wonderful to have you back with us. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it's wonderful to be back with you, Peter. Thank you. And of course, people can find you at Real Diana West on Gab and DianaWest.net is the website. People can look at either of those for your regular updates. And today, of course, a lot happening stateside. And we had, I think, Colonel Alan West on uh, probably about a week or two ago, um, looking at some aspects, more or less looking at the Republicans taking control of the, the House of Representatives a year on what's happened. Um, but today, we want to look on, is America becoming a police state? And this is a Rasmussen poll that you had sent over, which is fascinating reading. It gives an insight into those in the U.S. and how they see things happen. And it is this here, um, looking at a police state. And the first question was, a police state is a tyrannical government that engages in mass surveillance, censorship, ideological indoctrination, and targeting of political opponents. How concerned are you that America is becoming a police state? And we can see overall, 72% of the public said yes, they believe that America is becoming a tyrannical government that unveils, uh, that engages in mass surveillance. Uh, with uh, You can see there in the poll, 67% of Democrats, 72% of Republicans, and 76% of GOP. Basically, we have a majority of the U.S. public believing that is the case. So tell me about this, Paul, what you thought as a U.S. citizen when you read that two-thirds of America do believe that their country is becoming a surveillance state. <laughs> this Can I just preface my remarks by saying this is a surreal conversation. <laughs> that we are having this conversation. I'm still trying to get used to this. I suppose, you know, my flippant comment would be, oh, they've been reading my stuff. <laughs> no, no, this, I think in some ways, the most shocking aspect of the poll, whether it's the shock that the United States is becoming a police state, there's the shock that this is a poll question that is asked in very kind of solemn or you know practical terms very un, unexciting just a poll a poll question that is the united states become a police state then such a large number even including democrats who generally lag on these things yeah. and to find a uh, consensus is is good as terrible terrible that it reflects the reality that i do believe we 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 are in a police state a new kind of police state, let us say, but also that it is it is it is a recognition by the public, as Rasmussen has polled them, that is not dependent on the mainstream media, on most, if not all, pretty much government officials, the 
academy, any sorts of institutions. This is this is alternate media. This is believing your lying eyes, and and it's also word of mouth. And so maybe there's a positive development in the sense that we're we're all coming onto the same page, but it's also the realization that our institutions, our leadership, is part of that police state in terms of suppressing the truth. Could you see um, the Democrats kind of we end up looking at them as a a block, but in one way we see looking at the Republican side as split. Um, between MAGA wanting something different, wanting America first, and the traditional establishment Republican. But then, kind of, you put it together and it is a uniparty in effect. So it was intriguing that one, as you pointed out, the, the Democrat voters actually saw this. They've got a Democrat politician in the White House. How could they vote for someone and then accept that restriction? Well, it's it doesn't the, the, the Democrat side of this poll actually doesn't match other polls that I would say run parallel to this one. There was a, uh, recently a real clear politics poll on freedom of speech. And this sort of reflected a little bit more of what I commonly see or what one commonly sees when Republicans and Democrats are pulled separately on these questions. Um, Republicans tend to believe far more ardently in the importance of freedom of speech, whereas Democrats tend to believe speech should be regulated by the government, which is something we are seeing happening. Um, in terms of the Rasmussen poll, that you know, that's a question I, I, I really can't answer unless there is just so much widespread disaffection and embarrassment at at what is put forward as American leadership. I mean, you know me, Peter, I've been saying since 2020 that America underwent a coup in 2020. It was a rolling coup d'etat that went on from 2016 with the advent of candidate Trump to 2020 when they removed him from his second term. Um, So this, of course, would be an embarrassment. The leadership here as, as I, every, everything I've studied tells me, is in effect a puppet of some other forces we know not exactly what. So yes, maybe Democrats as well are noticing the embarrassment of being forced to, to submit to a demented man connected to corruption and treason, as has been revealed over these years as well. So maybe they're just as embarrassed as anyone else, and that is what was reflected in this poll. And 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 stricken, it's not just a matter of embarrassment, it's it's a deep, we are all stricken here and, and suffering, we're suffering the consequences. Um, again, in terms of American leadership, we have none. Just look at all of the indicators. We have what is, is referred to as the border crisis. It's, it's not a crisis, it's a war. We have endless onslaughts at this point, as I'm sure you and your viewers are well aware, and suffering yourselves. We are now having this incredible uptick of illegal immigration invasion at our southern border, our northern border as well, but the southern border, of course, is much more um, extreme. And and the, the, the people running this government, let's say, are making every provision to, to keep this going, to provide for these people, to wreck our cities and communities with with more and more and more. And indeed, it's at the point now where you had a Democrat in New York City, Mayor Mayor Adams, actually say immigration is 
is going to ruin this city. Well, it, it already has, but it's, it's incredible when these people actually step out for a moment anyway and, and acknowledge reality. So we, we, are, we are in a crisis at so many levels, it's really hard to know how to even um, put it all together in, in this, in this in, just in terms of, 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 of cogent conversation. It's really a hot mess at this point. Well, I want to pick you up more on what Adam said, the mayor of New York, because that was intriguing. And I was there a, a few weeks ago. And that, I guess, division within the Democrats, some of them waking up to the reality is intriguing. Um, here's a picture that Rasmussen put up on their Twitter account just recently. And the whole issue of Biden himself uh, this shows him uh, having a video call i guess with world leaders probably in the midst of the um pandemic uh the covid nonsense and not wanting to sort himself obviously no one else in the room because they all died of this horrendous epidemic but what about biden himself are americans waking up to his failure of leadership um, and his inability, I guess, to, to lead America on the world stage? Well, I guess it depends who you talk to, because again, if, if he is a puppet in the White House, he's being controlled by, by some other forces. Those who actually support him or support his agenda will still defend it. I mean, you have liberal columnists, like, for example, like David Brooks or people like that, who talk about this wonderful economy or this, this you know, this wonderful candidate for, for a second term. It, it's a surreal experience when you actually see people supporting it. Um, but as far as what Americans are waking up to, it's, we are not in normal times. And, and so, therefore, the, the political mechanisms that we normally look to for change or for redress um, or for continuity, are broken. And so whatever it is that Americans are, are waking up to in terms of realizing how what, much trouble we're in, at, again, at every level, I think what is, to people that, that I talk to, and I'm not talking to a lot of Biden supporters, <laughs> but I think there is this growing realization that we are are in a rather helpless state. There's this sense that there's this election taking shape and these candidates trotting before us, including President Trump, who's having an extraordinary um, set of appearances whereby he is received like a messiah mm. in many of these. I mean, I'm not trying to be blasphemous, but there is something incredible about the outpouring to this figure, this one man. Um, but I think there's also this realization that what happened last time was never fixed. And I refer to 2020. And we still have all of these 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 pitfalls, these 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 handicaps on a free election, to put it mildly. And so it's almost like the whole thing is sort of a reality show that you unwittingly get sucked into kind of cheering along or participating in or thinking, gee, maybe we all could vote really again. And, and but then you have this realization that this is all very um alternate reality time. And so it's a really strange time in America. It's a very um, dark time, I'm afraid to say. And, you know, where it, where it leads, what, what conditions we'll be looking at next year come election time, I couldn't even possibly tell you. I just don't think it's going to be good. 
So that's kind of where things are as far as I see them. Because on one side, you've got people that believe in the electoral system, which is vast majority of us up until recently. Um, And of course, in the UK, most of Europe, it is a, a paper ballot system. I know in the US, you've gone full flank into having a a, a system that can be tweaked and changed yeah. and corrupted at the flick of a switch, at the flick of a computer code. Um, but you're right. To my side, very little has changed. And I worry about those who push in the thought that actually the election can change things where the system you're relying on hasn't changed. Um, Am I missing something here? No, no. And I think it may be something deep in human nature that is just difficult to accept um, the, the, the terminus of, of, of a system of a, of a democratic system, the realization that yes, they will, they will tell Rasmussen, yeah, I'm afraid we're going to be a police state or we are a police state, but then we can vote. We can vote. And and there is this, um, it may just be a, a inability to look into an abyss and really see what's happening. So it it is a difficult time and people do get sucked in. <clears throat> and emotionally, um, it's almost as if they need to. We've gone through so much battering, all of us, <clears throat> going back certainly within the last three years, starting with the whole COVID pandemic, the complete fraudulent shutdown of life as we knew it. And given the powers that were on display for that in concert, in absolute um, uh, synchronicity all around the the world that were able to affect the, the shutdown of our rights, of our businesses, our lives, of our schools, of our children, all the rest of it. It, that still hangs over us. And so it, it's very much connected with what happened in electoral politics, to be sure. So, it, you know, maybe people are starting to understand it. But as with this amazing, shocking, overwhelming immigration crisis, alien invasion crisis, you can you can come to a realization and yet it's too late. It's too late. What what can you do? The, the fix or the, the pushback or the fight so much more difficult when you've been lulled into or or somehow paralyzed into inaction and you know i i um speaking of the republican congress and i'm sure what alan west was saying my brother was saying uh they've done nothing they've had wonderful wonderful hearings and i've come to call them a chat show congress is a chat show they have great guests they you know come back next week (laughs) And nothing happens. Um, Representative Matt Gates of Florida had a, a fantastic kind of rant about this with Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business mm-hmm. this weekend, where he made this case. She was she was um, uh, really applauding what had been done by under Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker, and Matt Gates was making the case the. the the reality that nothing has been done. And let's just look at what the Republicans in charge could do. They could, they could impeach, they can defund, they can even bring in the absolutely criminal judges of the DC circuit who have been flouting and abandoning and abusing due process 
in all of the January 6th cases, which we haven't spoken of yet, but I know you're interested in that, that have come before the, the bench. They could bring them in and talk to them. They could impeach them. They could impeach the, the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas, who is overseeing our border invasion. They've done nothing. So it's, it's again, this feeling of helplessness when all of your institutions have essentially fallen or perhaps imploded from within and you didn't notice it. No, we'll get on the J sixth. The, the the whole issue with with Gates and the Freedom Caucus is intriguing. Certainly for me here in the UK, uh, we don't have any Freedom Caucus in the Conservative Party as we have in the UK. So I love the way you have that element holding the Republican Party to account. Um, Tell us more about, because we've seen the conversations on the debt ceiling, but it goes much wider than that. And Mackett seems to have held his nerve along with that block and holding McCartney to account. Uh, tell us more about that. Well, they've been pushing, certainly pushing him and, and trying to hold him to account. But again, the the power of the House is quite profound. You know, when you talk about, is America a police state? Well, a police state cannot function if the three branches of government, which are supposed to be co-equal, our, our executive, our legislative, and our congressional branch, um, uh, a judiciary, I'm sorry, judicial, executive, and lawmaking branches are supposed to be all co-equal. Mm. And of course, over the past century, we've essentially seen our presidency, the executive branch, pretty much turn into a king, a kind of a king. And we've seen the uh, uh, the House, the, or the Congress, um, House and Senate. We've seen them fall into again this 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 chat show. Um, certainly, when the Republicans are in control, and so so the, the the fact that we are in this terrible place has a lot to do with the uh, failure of Republicans in the House going back at least. I mean, you can we can go through a history lesson, but I would say at least in the last 10 years, certainly from the Obama years to these years, the House has been empowered at very key points in our history during with the Obamacare period around when, when the House and the Republicans came back, won historic victory in um, 2014 on the heel, nothing like the Freedom Caucus, but the, the Tea Party movement, yeah. um, and then kicked us all in the teeth by doing nothing doing nothing. And then, you know, forward here, we get to the same kind of place where they are, they are putting forward a line and certainly the Freedom Caucus is, is extremely helpful in, in honing that line and keeping that sounding much more MAGA or much more, I would frankly say, constitutional um, and traditional. But again, there is no execution of house powers that do anything to to balance or 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 prevent the police state situation we're in from taking hold and 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 so that is really it kind of neutralizes really the the good that the that the freedom caucus could do because the the bulk of the party and the leadership of the party is still holding a line still backstopping essentially the left and yeah. that's just reality. So it is, again, a uniparty with a very loud and noisy Freedom Caucus, which makes us all feel good. But, you know, Gates was right. Nothing has been done that could be done according to their constitutional 
responsibility. Oath. How actually the curious thing is this the seventy percent believing that America is a police state. Um they're not getting that from the mainstream media. No. Can talk to us about how they are being informed because that goes against everything that has been pushed out. Right. Well, I think I think if this were ten if all of, say the Trump, Biden, etc. had happened in twenty uh ten, let's say instead of 2020. I don't think people would think we were in a police state. I think we would have been fooled, lock, stock and barrel. And people might have thought, hey, we should have had some recounts. But I really think where we were 10, 12, 15 years ago was a very different place. But we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. And certainly the COVID pandemic was a major um, education for everyone. But what it did because a lot of people have seen through that, through personal experience, I think what it did was cause a lot of people to say, well, hey, if the government can lie to us about a quote virus, which may or may not exist, and, and lock us down and destroy our world and lying about it and still are lying about it, even as we're experiencing a die off that is going to approach genocidal levels before we're done, I'm afraid. What else they lie about us? And you go back and you start seeing, I'm just talking about my own experience, but I know it's mirrored in other people. You start looking at the 9-11 narrative again. You start looking at the JFK narrative again. And for me, because I, I study these things too, it does track back to the Pearl Harbor narrative as well. And so you start realizing, you know, Gulf of Tonkin in, 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 in the Vietnam War narrative, you start realizing the extent to which the United States government, the Central Intelligence Agency, all other institutions connected, including the press, have been on board in terms of creating these crises to control us, to change, to, to, to change our system as they fancy it. And it has made people at this point, I think, much more awake. And then, of course, this summer, we went through a crisis that was barely covered in the media, which is a common thread for all of these things, terrible media coverage, of course, um, or propaganda and, and so on. Um, the fire that destroyed the, 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 the city of Lahaina on the island of Maui in Hawaii. People don't believe the government narrative that global warming caused that fire. And people are still wondering, where are all the children? What, wh why did a wildfire do this? Why did the government you know, of, of Lahaina not sound the alarm, not allow water to be used, keep people in the city, all of these shocking measures before you even get to the ignition of the fire itself. But people are smarter now and more savvy. And I think that's why you get to that large number in the Rasmussen poll. We've been through a lot. And, and there's also this sense that I think Donald Trump was such an interrupter of the 20. 20, what was it? Agenda 21, mm. Agenda 2030, um, dictatorship tyranny plan, when he came on the scene in 2016, that they really had to go for it in ways that are far cruder and far more visible to us than they would have had Hillary Clinton come in in 2016. I, we would not be in, in this terrible crisis in a way I think things would be much, we would have gone much more smoother and smoothly into oblivion and, and digital slavery and all the rest of it. But I, I think that this has been such a, 
you know, bumptious era and such a, uh, you know, just bomb popping era because they were not expecting Trump to come along. What did Trump do? Trump in 2016 awakened the, um, the, the dead part of America, dead, mm. it was gone. The MAGA people, people who'd given up on the system and were downtrodden. Can I tell you a quick anecdote? I have a friend who, who was a, a very um, established and celebrated news photographer in the swamp at one of the major um, metropolitan dailies of the country. And he was out with Trump in 2016. He was out again in 2020. And I remember him saying to me that in 2016, when he was shooting these rallies that Trump was going to all over, including the Rust Belt and everywhere else around the country, that the people coming out to see him, many, many thousands of people were, were down and out, mm-hmm. looked terrible, poor, sad sacks. When he went out again in 2020, they were, even after COVID, they were good looking, they were proud they were outspoken it was they were successful looking he said it was the most amazing change that's what trump did he awakened the american people who had been utterly disenfranchised by the uniparty in washington and that's why they've had to be so extreme and crazy and aggressive in their consolidation of power and and i think the end game is messier and more violent as a result of it but, you know, it, it, it's it's just where we are. I I remember being a CPAC in March and being near the, the front block and watching Trump's speech um, an hour and a half, along with a prior smaller speech. And I, I had never seen him in person, never seen him speak. Um, there's nothing like it. That yeah. That energy, that drive, that passion, that vision. It's not a, I'm a politician and here are my 10-point plan. It's something which actually connects with you within and and drives you. And it's something that's basically not on the British scene at all. And that's why I loved being there and just being part yeah. of that and watching him. Well, it it really was quite a phenomenon, and you know where we are now is you know we're in such a we're in such a a, a difficult place. Um, but it 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 it's heartening on the one side because he was some a, a leader. You know, he is a very much a charismatic megafauna to use he is the term from uh, natural history. But he he was able to do such a profound thing for America in just giving people a voice. And it turned out that's the American voice. And I do believe that in 2020, he won a historic landslide, the likes of which we'd never seen in American history. And that is what was stolen from us. And it's not, it's not just him. You know, he is, he is stolen from him, but it is stolen from the people. And that is what this ruling clack has complete and utter contempt for and that is why they're so cruel. They're so cruel and dehumanizing. And it's the kind of people that can take you to a transhumanist place. That this is they they could hardly be worse in terms of of you know where they where they rate they rank on a humanity scale. And I think we see that again more clearly than we would have had the same kind of mechanism happen ten years earlier. Because we are experienced now mm-hmm. and 
And, you know, we've been through it and we see it. Which is why the battle for Trump winning 24 is even more difficult. But that's a, I, I want to bring you on to the second question on yeah. the Rasmussen poll. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? The FBI is a danger to the freedom and security of law abiding Americans. And you've got 36 of Democrats agree, 45% of independents agree. And 65% of Republicans agree, which is 50%. So in that, you have 50% of Americans agreeing that the FBI is a danger. That That's quite a change. What has kind of pushed the American people to that realization? One-third of Democrats, two-thirds of Republicans, 50% overall, that the FBI is a threat to them. Well, I would say it's not a threat. It's the enemy of. And it became the federal police force that actually J. Edgar Hoover, the the famous and much maligned, you know, famous 20th century director, feared that it would become and worked very hard to prevent it from becoming a federal police force. Because in this guise, it has become, it has taken on the guise of, of dictatorship, uh, polices, polices, that sounds like a funny, police forces, um, uh, stormtroopers. And you can, you, all you have to do to, to know that I'm, I'm not just exaggerating is look at the footage mm. of the endless assaults on, on the homes of people who could very easily be asked to appear at the police station to be arraigned. They have gone into, this started this started during the Trump years. Yeah. And, and you know, he is, President Trump is to blame for appointing Christopher Wray, a complete swamp creature, to be the director of the FBI. Um, but, but it began during the Trump years with some extremely, like, military-style assaults on the homes of various Trump people who were coming under um, uh, arrest, whether it was Paul Manafort, Roger Stone. I think it was something like, Gosh, it was dozens of SWAT officers in full tactical gear, including helicopters. And in the case of Roger Stone, it was frogmen, because he happens to live near a body of water, coming to arrest him. This man who comes to the door in a T-shirt and, and shorts in the middle of the night. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely a demonstration of raw, naked aggression against the American people. And this has been started, you know, with one or two cases. And now it is the norm for people in the political opposition movements. And this would certainly include many of the January 6th protesters who have been arrested for the protest on January 6th. These are nonviolent, non-criminal, no one with records kind of thing, you know, ordinary citizens being assaulted by the FBI in their homes with their families and their wives, etc., cetera, um, to be arrested. And you look at that a few times and you think, oh, that's a danger. That's certainly a danger to our rights. Um, and then you also understand the surveillance, the new surveillance um, normal procedures, which once upon a time would have been brought them into court for violation of our Fourth Amendment rights against illegal surveillance, search and seizure. Um, it is now de rigueur to uh, do something called geofencing, which has to do with surveilling a person through their, their phone and other you know, media devices um, to see where they're going, what they're doing, their banking, their, 
their their other habits. This is this is absolutely normal. And again, it goes back about 10, 12 years when we learned from Edward Snowden. We learned it from Edward Snowden that all of our data was being sucked up by the federal government and logged into massive, I don't know what they are, massive uh, 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 online clouds mm-hmm. all over the country or out west in these giant places. Um, this is completely unconstitutional. And, and director at the time of national intelligence, Clapper, perjured himself telling Congress that this was not happening. But of course, Congress never actually <laughs> recommended that he be indicted and he was never indicted and prosecuted. Um, another great moment in congressional history and, and judicial history. Um, but th- this is where we are, where our rights have been taken from us. And I think people understand that. And when you have no rights and you have a SS style federal police force arresting political opponents of the regime that took power in 2020, you go, yes, ergo sum, police state. Yeah. Tell us about the J6, because we've had uh, Jake Lang on a number of times uh, with Brandon Strack on recently. And of course, we've seen a 22 month imprisonment for the leader of years. Yeah. But, but for leader Proud Boy, who wasn't even there, um, and yet the media, by and large, think this is normal for someone to be jailed for something. They weren't even there whenever the so-called offence happens. What is happening with that conversation? Is it becoming more public, the frustration, or is it just something that's accepted because people have believed the lie that this was an insurrection? Well... I'd like to see some recent Rasmussen polling on that. I think that there is a great understanding after, the, especially after some of the video footage came out on the Tucker Carlson show early in the summer or last spring. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was spring or summer. And people saw that these great big boogeymen that were depicted to us with all kinds of Hollywood stylings actually were walking quite peacefully through the Capitol. And many people had never even seen that. Um, and that started to really have a change of um, uh, opinion, I do believe. Um, in terms of, again, the, the FBI and the police state question, I think it very much figures into the, um, the, 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 the discovery and revelations, which again, are not covered in a widespread fashion, but do seem to be getting out, thanks to some intrepid reporters like Joseph Henneman at Epic Times, Julie Kelly, um, and some others uh, who are doing wonderful work, and the work of the defense attorneys as well, who have revealed that there were federal agents answering to the FBI and other bodies present at the Capitol, leading or exhorting the protesters onto um, uh, rev- either violence or 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 violent acts or entry into areas they ordinarily would not have gone into, and this has been documented to a point where even the groups such as Proud Boys you mentioned, when Enrique Tarrio getting the 22 year sentence, not being there, he was in a hotel room in Baltimore at the time. The Proud Boys were infiltrated by federal assets. The the Oath Keepers, another one of these groups who were there to provide security for speakers and others who had been attacked at these kinds of rallies by Antifa, who's fine. They don't get any sorts Mm -hmm. of um, indictments or uh, Black Lives Matter, same. 
um, they too were infiltrated by federal informants. And so this, again, is part of the FBI picture that people are responding to and the police state notion. We have political, po politics has been effectively outlawed in the United States. We are essentially this, they're trying to consolidate a one party state with its you know, Republican acolytes just for cover and for interesting chat show material. But they are essentially outlawing political opposition to a point where opposition groups are infiltrated and then falsely or entrapped into conspiracies. We saw that with the so fednapping, kidnapping, federal kidnapping of a plot uh, against Michigan Governor Whitmer, which turned out to be a complete FBI arranged entrapment. Um, and we're starting to see some restitution in the courts on that. Um, to uh, um, Oh gosh, I was I had a, I had a second oh, one that and, also, and, oh oh the the well I'm sorry go on your question no no, no. I, I just wanted to ask about the whole Ray Epps yes. thing because you've got seemingly individuals part of the intelligence service part of the FBI who are moving the situation along um, and they seem to get a slap on the wrist where people who were not even there get 22 years uh, it seems absolutely ludicrous and zero pushback from the media. Yeah. Well, it does. And this is the problem when you have such a, um, you know, such a suppliant or just submissive media or compliant media. Um, but yes, Ray Epps is, is highly regarded, widely regarded, even before January 6th as a federal asset. The night before he was exhorting people to be sure and go into the Capitol. And he was actually, uh, kind of razzed by the crowd, it's on video as a Fed, 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 Fed. People are pointing to him saying, don't go in the Capitol, he's a Fed. So there was suspicion about him from the start. But of course, yes, he, he recently was charged with one misdemeanor, uh, very rare. There may not be maybe more than one other of these poor defendants who came up with such a small charge. But given that he was doing what other people who've been slapped with much harsher charges and sentences, um, it, it, it's extremely suspicious. Um, there's also the problem, which is not covered adequately in the media, of the federal government concocting evidence and planting it. And this, this is something that was established in court um, by uh, the lawyers for Jeremy Brown, who was a former special forces veteran that the Fed, the FBI tried to um, recruit as an informant before January 6th. He refused. He was there. He's part of the Oath Keeper group or had a relationship with the Oath Keeper group. And essentially, nine months later, he was arrested and charged with having had explosives, a grenade at the Capitol. But long story short, that grenade had no DNA from Jeremy Brown and, and, and had DNA from a woman on it. It was planted in his van. And then there was also with the Proud Boys, there was literally a document that was supposed to show they had a plan for insurrection mm -hmm. that has been shown to have been essentially pushed into Enrique Tarrio's phone through a very strange chain of, of custody. Again, this kind of thing is not unusual. And you see the feds creating this, this as an event, a la the Reichstag fire of yore in, in Nazi Germany, where it was a created event to, to cause all kinds of political repercussions um, and the destruction of political opposition. Same thing here. Um, so this 
must be getting out there because people have such a strong reaction on that police state question. But certainly it's proof, you know, it, it's evidence and the media hushes it up, but somehow you can find out about it. And you, you know, people need to find out about it because it's, it's truly shocking. And that's why this is now known as the Fed surrection. Mm, oh, completely. Uh, I mean, there. Let, let's end off on another um, Rasmussen poll um, that they had put up, and there are so many aspects to this. But this was a poll they put up just days ago. Fifty-six percent of likely voters think the cheating. And I love that word <laughs> that they're willing to use will affect the 2024 election, according to Rasmussen poll survey. And um, do you think that's changed since 2020? And if so, what's changed since 2020 that will make your outcome different? 56% across the board. This is, again, across the board. It's not Republican, Democrat. 56% think that cheating affected the election. What does that mean for you, for a U.S. citizen going forward, looking ahead for actually it's just a year away, just over a year away for the next elections? How does that inspire you? How does that influence you? How does that encourage you to, I guess, engage with that political process? Well, <clears throat> it's very discouraging. And again, it, it gives you the feeling that you're participating in, in somebody else's reality show. And there's that sense that I won't, I won't be manipulated, but it, it, you, it's kind of almost a tribal right. You, you want to be, you want to participate and you want to believe that it's an election. I don't believe in the election. I, I believe in miracles. So I suppose I will, I will, you know, hold out the hope for a miracle. But at this point, I, we are post-election, post-electoral, post-democratic. We are existing under an illegitimate regime. And I don't think that that has necessarily become widely understood. People still rail against Democrats or rail against Biden for this or that. This is a, a, a junta. You know, this happens in many other countries. It's happened all over the world. It was not supposed to happen here, but it did. And part of the success of this is in the fact that it is it is censored and suppressed. Oh, 100%. Um, Dana, there are lots we could discuss, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing, certainly with our main UK audience, uh, with the Warren Posse, who will obviously know this issue well. Um, what, I mean, as a, as a, just to finish off, I guess, as a journalist, mm -hmm. as someone who observes what's happening and tries to inform the public um what is your take on a lot of what you've seen i mean you put out a a strong line that america has to return to to some of those roots of integrity of election integrity of media integrity um but how do you see that uh, looking forward and what kind of is your key message i guess that you bring to the American people through your many writings over the, the following year? Well, now that's the hardest question <laughs> of all. <laughs> um, I think that we are, it, it, it's, it's, it, this, is, this is not a joke, you know, where we are. And, and I think that at this point, it's very important to take care of yourself and your family mm. and be prepared for 
the storm because I, you know, I don't think, I don't think this ends well. Um, you know, that's not the normal uplifting message, but I think people have to, and I do think people are taking this more seriously. Mm. We, we are at a point where our government is aggressively killing us and destroying our country. <laughs> so it, it really is a time for a miracle. It's time for a miracle. No, hundred percent. Um, to the viewers, uh, we first had uh, Diana on to discussing her book, which is um, 10 years old now, actually, yes. American Betrayal, The Secret Assault on Our Nation's Character. And just something aside as we finish, that is an intriguing insight into the change of America's society through the influence and onslaught of communism or from the USSR and how that developed over time. So I'd encourage our viewers and listeners to get hold of that for something maybe fairly different from the conversation we've had, but I think it's essential to understand what has happened historically and then understanding that, being equipped with that information, I think we can better look forward to what we face ahead of us. Um, Diana, thank you so much for joining us. People can find you at Real Diana West, obviously on Gab and DianaWest.net online. Um, thank you for sharing your insights on this huge topic, which I know I'm certainly watching eagerly, although I have no participation in the US election coming up in a year, but we certainly look to you across the pond as hope politically economically militarily uh journalistically maybe that's gone out the window but we still look at you so thank you so much for coming on today and sharing that well thank you peter it's always a pleasure to speak with you if you like what we do sign up to our mailing list donate share and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org thank you for listening